fueled by C4, Cellucor, and Extend. Use the code Clydesdale to get 20% off the checkout at C4Energy.com. On Clydesdale Media, where we bring you the widest array of content here on our YouTube channel. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Hit that notifier so you first know when new episodes are available. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Clydesdale Media Roundtable, where we are featuring the athletes of the 2023 CrossFit Games semifinals. And we are so honored to have with us Matt Brady. Matt, how are you? Good. Good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, so I'm going to start with a weird line of questioning, um, just because that's who I am. Have you ever watched the TV show The Goldbergs? Never seen it. Can't say I have. Okay. Well, there's a character on there who there's, there's a, a group of kids. They're like the sons of the family and they're called the, the Jenkin town posse or whatever. And they're, they're all kind of a bunch of nerds and geeks and everything. And this cool kid moves into town and his name is Matt Bradley. <laughs> and hilarious. every time they, they refer to him, they refer to him as Matt Bradley, not just Matt. Um, it is Matt Bradley. And so every time I see your name on Instagram, I can only think of you as Matt Brady. That's too funny. Yeah, I, um, you know what? I, I remember someone in high school, uh, one of my friends calling me Matt Bradley all the time, and I never knew where it came from. So, <laughs> so there it is. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Yep, I just threw my phone across the room. Oh, but anyway, um, yeah, so, that, so every time I see you online, I'm just like, why can't I just say Matt? His name is Matt. Yeah, when you have two first names, I, it, it, it kind of comes with it. I've been called Matt Brady pretty much my whole life. Um, people like to call me by my full name, so it's nothing new. What, what about okay. oh, good. Brady? So when that happens, yeah, when that happens in Pasadena, it's just natural. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Sorry I talked over you, Amy. What'd you say? I'm just going to say, what about just Brady? Does anybody just call you Brady? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, definitely get a lot of just Brady's, like uh, my, my good friends. I mean, I grew up, you know, playing football and, and Brady was uh, just the coaches would call me Brady. So my friends would call me Brady, that type of thing. So I go by either. Yeah. yeah. So let's start with your training camp. You are with OPT. Yes, I am. Um, with Michael as your coach. Michael is not my coach. Uh, Scott Gillis, okay. who is another owner at OPT. He's my coach. Yeah. Uh, I made an assumption there. Thank you for correcting me. Um, and so what, what's that like and why did you get hooked up with them? Yeah, it was really, um, coincidental. I have to say, like I, I, um, we can kind of go into a backstory if you want, but I, I used to be on the Canadian, uh, national ski team. And when I stopped skiing, I decided I want to, wanted to get into CrossFit. And, um, you know, just coming from a high elite level uh, sports background, I knew that uh, the people at the games weren't training in classes. Like, I, I just knew that there was no way these people were kind of making the CrossFit games by going to a class every day. So I was looking for more of like a personalized approach because that's what I had when I was ski racing uh, from my strength and conditioning coaches. So, um, so I was lucky enough to stumble across OPT in Calgary, not really even knowing it was, you know, quote unquote, famous or, or well known in the CrossFit community. 
And, um, you know, I started working with Scott because he, uh, he had a, a background with a lot of hockey athletes. So we thought it would transfer really well um, with my skiing background. And uh, yeah, I've been training with him for the last seven years. So it's been a long time. So I find the best shows are the ones we talk the least about CrossFit. So now <laughs> you've opened a door. <laughs> so you were with the Canadian National Ski Team. Yes. Yeah. So like in the United States, we have in Colorado, we have like the U.S. training camp where all the U.S. athletes kind of go and and that they get their nutrition taken care of, their recovery, all that kind of stuff. Does that happen in Canada when you're on a national team? It does. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty much exclusive for skiing. I would say it's it's pretty much exclusive to Calgary and uh, Whistler are kind of the two camps. Uh, Calgary, you know, there's a huge facility here called Windsport. I think, I don't know, my numbers might be wrong on this, but I think Under Armour gave them $14 million or something to build this facility. Mm. Um, and it's the full package when you're on the national team. There's, you know, hot tubs, cold plunges, saunas, um, unlimited physiotherapy, chiropractor, um, strength and conditioning coaches, like a world-class facility with all Alico equipment, um, you know. <laughs> You don't really know how lucky you are until you stop skiing or, or stop being on a national team because the equipment is just out of the flow. So what's it like being on a national team? Like is your whole day devoted to training and recovery, train, recovery, eat, recovery? Yeah, I would say so. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a lot of you know. I was actually going to school while I was on the national team, um, but when I was skiing in the winter, I wouldn't go to school. So I would try and go to school in the summer, uh, spring, summer, and, and fall. And yeah, uh, it's it's very much what you said: train, eat, recover, train again, um, sleep. But I have to say, I've um, I've noticed when I started training in CrossFit there were a lot of things that I started doing that, uh, that made me a better athlete that I wish I had done when I was ski racing. And even today, uh, you know, I still stay in touch with a lot of my friends that are on the national team and I'm trying to push a lot of these good habits that I've, uh, uncovered towards them so they can, you know, up their game by the, the 1% uh, that they need to, to, to get a little bit better. So. So did you start skiing as a young child then? I did, yeah. I actually grew up skiing in Western New York, um, so I grew up in a in uh, Burlington, Ontario, which is about an hour north of the border. And then uh, my family had a ski chalet down in this place called Ellicottville, New York. Uh, and so I grew up skiing there uh, and just club skiing. And then when I was, uh, I think, fifteen, I actually ended up going to a boarding school in Lake Placid, New York, uh, where it was a, it was like a prep school. So you would ski you know, basically 8 a.m. till about 1 every day, and then you would have class from about 2 till 9 p.m. So um, there was, like, hockey players oh. there as well. So so my, my interest is, okay, you did all this stuff with the national team. What did they do better than what you see in the CrossFit world? And then you come to CrossFit, and what do they do better than you saw in the ski world? Okay, Um what do the ski team do better? I mean, I would say unlimited physio, chiropractor, massage, all that stuff. I would kill to have that uh, in, in today's world, especially, you know, in kind of my later age. Uh, that would be really nice. Uh, just the access to equipment. Um, you know, one thing I think that they did really well when I was ski racing was video review. Like, 
you know, there's a lot of things. Your days go really quickly as a ski racer. You, you know, you're skiing all day, you're training, and then you have to, you know, do dry land. Um, you have to tune your skis, especially when you're on the development team, you, which doesn't sound like a lot of work, but it really is. It, it takes a lot of work to have fast skis. It's a big part of the sport. And then uh, you would do video review. And then on top of that, you have to do, you know, get body work and eat and everything else. Uh, and I was trying to go to school. So it was a lot. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, I would say that video review was crucial. And, and, you know, that's something I've tried to bring with me to CrossFit. I video all my workouts and when I'm eating lunch or dinner or whatever, I just uh, I review uh, my videos and see where I can make up time. And uh, Damien, who is our newest member to the channel, is said, and the standards in skiing don't change every season. Yeah, that's true. And, and you know, I, I actually was on the national team for a sport called Ski Cross. Um, so it's a very specific type of skiing. And for those that don't know what that is, it's like motocross on skis. So, you know, four people go down a course at the same time over uh, jumps and bank turns. And then the top two um, in each heat advance uh, until they find, you know, a champion or a first place, third, a second place, third place. Uh, so although the standards don't change, the courses change quite a bit. And it, it really is kind of that unknown and unknowable uh, in ski cross as well, because you never really know what you're going to get. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of parallels I think about now as kind of CrossFit's evolving with judges and things like that, that I think we could take from individual sports like skiing and, and, and you know, tennis or golf or whatever and bring them into um into crossfit yeah ski cross i'm glad you brought that up because it is one of the most brutal physical sports i've ever watched on tv yeah it's super fun i mean uh it's it's funny to me because people watch it and they think it's absolutely insane i um i equate it to going down the highway like when you're going 100 kilometers an hour sorry 60 miles an hour uh you don't think you're going that fast and it's the same on a ski cross course when all of you are going the same speed it doesn't seem that crazy uh, but even now i watch it on tv and and the, the level of ski cross gets better every year and um the, the races are tighter and tighter and uh yeah it, it's um it's hard to fathom that i used to do that when i watch it now so <laughs> how many elbows would you get per race well you're not allowed to elbow people but uh, uh i've watched this matt <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and that's where the judging comes in right um it happens quite a bit yeah um i i don't know if i could say per race but yeah in in a single run you're probably going to get an elbow yeah okay so now crossfit what does crossfit do better than the ski training um yeah so i think you know things that i've learned in CrossFit is nutrition. Um, you know, when we were, so when I was on kind of the Europa cup and world cup circuits in in Europe, you're, you're accustomed to eating whatever that ho hotel serving that night or whatever they're putting out for breakfast. And so I'd say the nutrition, just have, having much more control on what I'm eating, uh, is, has gone a long way. And, you know, I, I, I get it for the, the athletes that are on the road. It's really hard to, organized meals and you would essentially need to stay at airbnbs or have a team chef or something like that um, which definitely would be tough to afford so uh, i would say the nutrition and just controlling what you're eating um, in crossfit i've done a lot better uh the training like the actual 
construct of what you're doing in the gym and periodization and things like that, um, I, I, I found that to be a lot better. And I, you know, I think I realized that, you know, although skiing is a power sport, I think there would still be benefits to having some sort of endurance base, um, for things like recovery. And, uh, you know, one of the things that always used to happen to me when I ski raced was I would cramp up, especially if it was like a five degree or sorry, sorry, five degrees Celsius, uh, 37 Fahrenheit, something like that. Um, if it was a warmer day, you would, I would cramp up a lot. And, and I think just having like an aerobic base would prevent that. And, uh, you know, I thought I was fit when I was ski racing. Like I, I thought I was fit. And, um, I remember my first week at OPT, uh, Scott, my coach, he was away, um, on a trip out East or something for a couple of weeks. And so I was stuck with Michael for uh, a couple of weeks. And I swear, I always bug Michael uh, to this day that he was trying to get me to quit CrossFit before it even started. Cause he put me through tests where I was actually out back throwing up pretty much every single day. So I thought I was in good shape until that week. <laughs> so I want to say, you know, the conversion thing can be tough from kilometers to miles from um, Celsius to Fahrenheit. But the toughest thing for me is when a Canadian says 37 degrees is getting warm, <laughs> right? That, that I just can't comprehend. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, yeah, especially in Calgary. I mean, we have like a six month winter here. So um, anything over 37 feels pretty warm here. <laughs> I love what you said yeah, there we... about, about nutrition, because I think that that's such an important piece. And like when I came into CrossFit and I totally bought into the nutrition piece and that was it's so important. And, and I was so shocked that that wasn't a part of every type of fitness or athletic program that there is. And, you know, sure, of course, on the elite level, maybe it is. But I'm thinking even, you know, my own kids who are growing up in youth sports and why aren't we talking about nutrition and healthy ways of eating to, for performance then? Like, let's start here so that it's not as big of a jump when we're, you know, higher level athletes. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think uh, as you become more of an elite athlete and you look at elite athletes, you just notice that no matter what sport it is, all the best athletes care about these things, right? They all care about their body work, their training, their nutrition, uh, their sleep, right? And and I think that's something that maybe Matt Fraser really brought to CrossFit was just uh, going that extra mile and, and making sure all those boxes are checked. And you look at guys like Tom Brady or something like that, and, and they're um, they're doing all those things as well. So yeah, yeah, I think that's what's. Um matt brought because he was near where tom brady's guy was right and so he he actually got to take advantage of some of that stuff and pulled some of that stuff from the nfl and the tb12 method over to crossfit and um and made it popular on this side of the sport as well and what i love about what fraser did is you're not eating or doing nutrition for aesthetics it's for performance and there's a that's a big difference yeah, and that might actually go against what Amy was talking about a little bit because when you're when you're just trying to consume uh, a certain number of macros, sometimes those have to be unhealthy, right? And you know, I I've tried to keep my diet as clean as possible, but sometimes you know I'm eating sour patch kids or whatever just to get the quick carbohydrates that burn quickly uh, during a training session. 
Sure. I mean, and there's certainly a, a place for that, like in that elite stuff. I'm just like, when I look at some of the youth stuff, and they're like, yeah, we're going to have a meal before we play our game. Let's get fast food. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me, but yeah. Yeah. I remember going to McDonald's after a ski race in Europe and I was just eating this burger. Like, what, what am I doing? Like, yeah. this, is, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah. So I know we're going to get back to CrossFit, but I just want to acknowledge this. You had some big changes happen in your life in March. Oh, yes. Uh, yes, I got married. Is that, I hopefully, yeah, I hope that's the one, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if there was yeah. another big change, we need to know about it. No, I mean, it's been an exciting year. Um, yeah, I got married and then I qualified for semifinals, which has always been a very long-term goal for me. So, yeah, it's been a it's been an exciting year. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. Congrats. Yeah, thank, you. thank you. Yeah, it was... Uh, I have to say it was largely put on my wife to uh, plan most of it because I was just very dedicated to training and getting ready for the open and quarterfinals and everything. So uh, shout out to uh, to my wife for, for putting together a very, very special day. And it was cool because I actually saw, I think Noah was getting married around the same time. So it made me feel like, oh, okay, this isn't that out of the norm. <laughs> and her name is? Uh, Jennifer or Jenny. She goes by Jenny. And how did you guys meet? Uh, so we actually met at a bar about seven years ago um, during university. Yeah. Were you guys going to school at the same place? Uh, we weren't actually. I was going to the University of Calgary. Uh, she was going to Dalhousie University, which is on the east coast of Canada. And she was uh, she's from Calgary, so she flew back to visit her family for a weekend and decided to go to a bar and. I was at a bar as well, and uh, we actually haven't been back since because we're not huge, you know, bar people or party people necessarily. But at the time when we were 21, it was uh, is what you did to to meet girls. So <laughs> there you go. And it was it had to be meant to be because you're not normally in the same place, and you're not normally at, at a bar. So the fact that it all happened in that one night stars aligned right exactly yeah that's what we always say and uh you know it, it, i think it's it's special to us that we actually met in person you know had a conversation and it wasn't um necessarily like online dating or anything like that so yeah we always think it, yeah it was just totally by chance and i had to work up the confidence to go go talk to her and uh she was with her friends and i you know i thought she was uh good looking and yeah we just we talked the rest of the night and kept the conversation going since then so yeah, it's um, it's flown by. Does she? Do so CrossFit? did you have to? Um, she does CrossFit minus the Olympic lifting. So, uh, I uh, I actually program for her. We have a, a nice um, gym in our garage here, and and she she works out there. And uh, yeah, so she's she's taken definitely a, a more interest in fitness since we met. Yep. Nice. So what what were the um, implications of a long distance relationship to start this thing off? Yeah, so so we actually uh, so we were in our last years of school, and um, but she was going on, or she so she was coming back here for the summer. So we hung out for a whole summer uh, when we started dating, and then she went on an exchange um, to Europe for a couple months. And so you know we we did the long distance thing, but eventually we started living together in the same city, and uh, we actually moved to Toronto together for a few years in 2017 and um yeah kind of built a life together there and then during covid we decided to move back to calgary so so this has been a long courtship 
It has been, yeah. It has been, yeah. It's been a, it's been a really long, uh, yeah, long relationship, and uh, we've taken, you know, the appropriate steps. And I think it was twenty twenty one. I finally decided to uh, to pop the question. So, which one of you needed more convincing in this time to to take that next step? <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't. <laughs> Nobody needed any convincing, like we always knew we were going to get married, but uh, I don't know. I just think we wanted to make sure we kind of had all the financial things sorted out in our lives and, you know, um, just made sure we were really solid from, yeah, just like a financial standpoint. And uh, we wanted to move back to Calgary and make sure that was all settled and everything. So there was no like hurdles or anything like that. It just, we just let it, let it, let it cook. Took its time, you know? I, I was just giving you crap, but, um, but I've been married 26 years and we're still trying to figure out the financial thing. Just, yeah. just so you know. Oh yeah. Getting married did not solve that. I'll tell yeah, you that. That's not good. <laughs> no. But I'll let you no. live in that. And then, place. <laughs> yeah. And, and when, and if you have a kid, um, then it all blows up. Yeah. I'm watching that firsthand cause my brother's uh, getting married or sorry, my brother's having a, a kid in about a month here and, uh, it's the first kind of kid in our family. So uh, I'm watching that blow up firsthand. I'm learning lots. So Elise asks, uh, was she super surprised by the time you popped a question? She actually was. Yeah. I mean, um, not to knock on my friends or anything or, uh, but a lot of them, I don't know if it's just common in Canada or something, but a, a lot of my friends wait, you know, eight, nine, 10 years till, till they ask the question. So uh she did not think i was on the same page as her not to, to be honest i threw her for like i threw her a lot of curveballs kind of leading up to it being like oh i don't you know i'm not ready for marriage and that kind of thing so um she was super surprised when i when i popped the question she she actually couldn't believe it but was very very happy and excited so so we had um hannah on yesterday oh we awesome. had um, Amy on a, lo- a while back. So you have a, quite the little team there um, at OPT. And Hannah was saying yesterday, I asked her, is there much trash talking that goes on when you guys are going head to head in the gym? And she said, with the girls, not so much, but Matt and I go back and forth quite a bit. Yeah, we do. We do, tra- we do talk a lot of trash, Hannah and I, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So you've come into the sport a little bit older, and, and Hannah is still relatively young. I've what she twenty, something like that. Twenty or twenty-one. Yeah, she's very young. Yeah. Do you do you ever feel like you need to be a mentor to some of the athletes, or is that just what is that the coach's responsibility? Um. Yeah, I think you know. I think I'm a good gauge for some of the the younger uh, athletes because they can kind of see what's coming. I mean, I, I constantly get, you know, razzed for how long my warm up takes, uh, every day. So, uh, you know, I spend about 45 minutes doing mobility and kind of warming up before I'm, I'm ready to go. And, uh, I just kind of tease them that, that that's coming your way. Uh, it's also an interesting dynamic at OBT because it's primarily female dominant in terms of the elite athletes. Um, you know, there's probably eight or nine, uh, female athletes that are competing at a very high level, um, whereas you know I'm I'm one of the only males. There, there there's a couple others, but um, that's that's kind of at the elite level, uh, and and so 
when we do our we do like a monthly throwdown. I think the other girls must have told you it's called Friends Club. Um, it used to be called Fight Club. <laughs> that name had to change because it was getting too competitive. And uh, and yeah, so you know sometimes during those uh, those scenarios or competitive scenarios, I think the girls might lean on me um, to you know talk to you about things because I'm kind of the non-competitive, maybe a little bit of a safe space for them to, uh, to go to. So, Well, two quick follow-ups to that. Isn't it infuriating when the 20 year old comes in doing cartwheels and backflips without any mobility and you've got to take an hour just to get like, to bend over and grab a bar. Yeah, it is infuriating. I know. And, and I didn't know how lucky I had it back in those days, but, uh, but I mean, even, you know, even Hannah over the last couple of years has started to warm up more and I, we, we've kind of been working on that. So, um, I think she's starting to, to see that and why I spend the amount of time I do. And the other perspective I I'm curious about is like Hannah's been in the sport since she was 13 and at the age of 19, uh, 18, she decided to take a year off because to see if she really loved the sport decided she did and came back, but her whole like real athletic career is CrossFit. You did something else, learned that life, and now we're adjusting to this CrossFit life. Does that give you a perspective that you can share with others? Yeah, I think it does. Um, and you know, CrossFit's an interesting sport, especially as you get older, I think it becomes harder and harder to compete as frequently. Whereas when I was ski racing, we would compete uh, twice a weekend, like Saturday, Sunday, um, every weekend through the whole winter. So like I, I got a ton of just competitive experience. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know a lot of CrossFitters at the younger age, but I, I, at least at OPT, I don't see a, them doing competitions every weekend or every month even. Mm -hmm. um, where I think that's really valuable. It's just to get experience competing. And I'm always trying to tell younger athletes you know go and compete like just learn because every time you compete you learn something new and uh and so i try and pass that on a little bit too to them yeah yeah what a great perspective because you have all those reps built in into your you know like i'm sure you still get nervous or something before you hit the competition floor but just knowing that hey i've done this i've practiced this you know and that just can kind of help support that where yeah as it's CrossFit. You can't just be competing all the time with that. That's interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it just teaches you how to manage, you know, nerves and anxiety about competing. Cause I even find with CrossFit, you know, sometimes, especially during COVID, like there was a year, maybe or a year and a half, you went without competing at least in a live scenario. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you can just forget little things and how to, how you manage your nutrition throughout the weekend or how you manage nerves and things like that, where, it, it really is something you need to practice. And, uh, you know, I, I would say that is the benefit of maybe the friends clubs that we're running or have been doing the last year at OPT. Um, it just, you know, it, it gives you kind of that same feeling, but it's not as detrimental if you mess up or anything like that. So mm -hmm. uh, the consequences are lower, but it, it teaches you a little bit on how to manage those. So yeah, definitely valuable. So one more follow-up to this, and then we'll get into to what your year's been like. And that is we had Madison McElhaney on yesterday. She's a former MMA fighter who is now a CrossFitter. And she was like, she was a sponsored MMA fighter, but like, yeah, 
all the way. She gets so frustrated at the organization of the sport of CrossFit because she's been in this world where that is a real sport and CrossFit hasn't found its footing yet in what it needs to do to be a real sport. Do you have some of those same frustrations? Yeah, I do. I do. And, and, you know, I, I, I was actually a really big fan of the sanctional system. I know a lot of people weren't, um, but I actually thought it was getting closer towards where the sport needs to go. Um, just having kind of, you know, your main competitions like Wadapalooza, Dubai, and all those opportunities uh, for athletes to compete, it was almost creating it more like a pro tour, which, uh, you know, I think is, is where CrossFit needs to go. And so, yeah, I, I definitely have those, those same frustrations. Yeah, there was actually a rumor floating back in the sanctional days of converting it to where Rogue, Wadapalooza, and Dubai would be considered the triple crown. Mm-hmm. So, like, th- those would be the elevated um, one. And you could even go Grand Slam with adding a CrossFit Games to it if you wanted to. Um, and then you kind of earn points to be able to have the opportunities at those triple crown events. And if somebody won all three of the triple crown events, there was going to be a bonus. Wow. That's wow. That would have been very cool, especially from a spectator standpoint. Um, yeah, I, I like the kind of Grand Prix model or whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, with NASCAR, or, uh, you know, just having like the ongoing kind of point system. I think it's it's really exciting from that standpoint. So. I, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I almost think now like Wadapalooza is too big and, and they're, you know, people circle Wadapalooza on their calendar as kind of their annual trip or annual event they want to go to. Um, I, and I wonder if maybe CrossFit missed out on that opportunity of having it as kind of one of their sanctioned events. So, so they are still a licensed CrossFit event. They just don't advertise it because they don't need to. Yeah. Okay. There it is. Right. Um, but what's crazy about Wadapalooza is they do this qualifier and people don't make the elite division and they're in the RX division. And those can sometimes be games athletes. Like that's how big Wadapalooza has become. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I, uh, I, I do. T- I, I don't have a great time with online qualifiers, so I've, I've kind of stayed away from the individual, uh, Wadapalooza side of things, but I, uh, I went on a team last year in RX and, uh, I mean, we had a very, very fit team, uh, and we, I think we were like two or three spots out of the lead kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, it was very, it was a very competitive weekend just in the RX division. So, so let's get to this year because this has to be a special year for you. You have been doing CrossFit since 2017 in the open. And I don't know when, were you serious from 2017 or did it take time to kind of like ramp up into that? I'm going to be competitive. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would say I was serious. I, uh, I was competing. I wanted to compete. I came from a competitive sport and, you know, I, I didn't have interest in just kind of training just for no reason. So I would say I was competitive, uh, right from the start or had aspirations to be. Uh, I think it was a really big change for me in terms of um, uh, physical adaptation. Uh, skiing is a very power-based sport. It's almost, you know, similar to bobsled. You're, you're training a lot of those like fast twitch muscles, and so I had to spend a lot of time to kind of develop that aerobic base and a lot of skills. I mean, I never grew up playing or doing uh, gymnastics or, 
you know, anything like that. So that, uh, that took a long time to develop. And skiers also don't have much upper body strength, which is not good for CrossFit. So, <laughs> so you, you start making quarterfinals in 2021 and your, your leaps are big, right? 21, it's 435. 222, it's 263. And then this year, you get all the way to 61, which is right on the bubble. Do I get in or do I not? So now you've made this vast improvement, but what's the anxiety like when you're on that bubble waiting for the decision? Oh, I got a story for you guys. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, the anxiety was was large, yeah. So I was, uh, I think at the end of the weekend, um, uh, into quarterfinals weekend, I think I was sitting in 61st and then, you know, penalties are getting assessed that whole week or whatever. So I'm moving up to 55th and then I get a penalty and I move down to 57th or whatever. Anyways, um, I'll have to remember the timeline of this all, but I think it was the Monday of the Monday after quarterfinals, I think they, they locked the leaderboard. Right. And so, uh, so I, I was sitting in 60th that day and, you know, I was, I think it was, they stopped doing, giving out penalties, I think on the Friday or whatever. So nothing was really changing over the weekend. So I was like, okay, I think I've locked in a spot. I'm in 60th. And so Monday night rolls around and they do that announcement. They tweet out the leaderboard is now locked or finalized or whatever their terminology was. Uh, invites will go up tomorrow. And so I was in 60th. So I was ecstatic. You know, I have kind of a moment with my, my wife just saying, you know, we, we did it. We've been working hard at this for, for so long, like we finally made it into, into a semifinal. And then the next morning rolls around and, or sorry, the next night rolls around and it's, you know, Tuesday at nine o'clock at night. And, you know, like, Oh, it's weird. I haven't got my invite yet to, to semifinals. And, you know, my, my training partner or one of my training partners here, um, Greg Gross, who's also qualified, he, he, he got his invite and, you know, Hannah was getting hers and I said, Oh, what's going on? And, and so I couldn't figure it out. And my wife logs on to the leaderboard and she goes, Oh, you're in 61st. And I'm like, what? Like I was in 60th last night. I, I even checked Tuesday morning. I was in 60th. And, um, so I was, you know, extremely frustrated. Like what has happened, you know? And, uh, and, and essentially I emailed CrossFit, um, didn't get a response. I, found Dave Eubank's email uh, somehow and I sent a message to him and, and I basically got an email response saying, uh, yeah, we met, we, we made a mistake. We're really sorry about that. We made a mistake. Um, you know, you're in 61st, sure enough, you'll get in type of thing. Um, so, you know, it's extremely frustrating for me to kind of go through that and uh, like just very, the emotional roller coaster of that. Yeah, it was really up and down. And then, you know, every, it went from Monday night, everyone at my gym saying, congrats, we're so excited for you. Like, way to go. You earned this all the way to the next week. People being like, oh, we can't believe what happened to you. Like, we're super sorry. We're sad. And, you know, I know my emotions training wise changed a lot. Like I have all the motivation once I qualified. And then the next day was kind of just really shook and, and was finding it hard to push, you know, the way I, I needed to. Um, so yeah, it was, it was interesting to just feel those different emotions through the week. Eventually I did get in when, you know, I think there was two athletes that decided to go team. Um, so I got really lucky there and, uh, and was able to get a spot, but 
uh, was really kind of disappointed in, in that process and yeah how how it was uh, how it was handled I I've got a lot going in my head right they said locked right that's the yeah. stuff that's infuriating yeah. i think when i talked to madison yesterday and i talked to you who have been in other sports where like you don't make the announcement until you know yeah yeah right it was as simple as that it's not that we're upset that you made a mistake don't announce it's locked yeah until you've dotted your i's and crossed your t's yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was really, really frustrating. And uh, it was confusing, too, because if you went onto my, uh, you know, games profile or CrossFit profile or whatever, it still said 60th in North America West. So I was just kind of left there being, oh, maybe the leaderboard um, is wrong and, you know, my profile's right. So it was, you know, it was a lot of just guessing and wondering what's going on. So, yeah. Um, I've kind of moved on from it and yeah. you know I, I made it in i got a spot i believe i deserve to be there um so yeah yeah you made it in congratulations on that so what what changed then with your with your training for you to make these leaps like was it just you know putting more intention was it you know making big changes or was it just the growth in the, of your your athletic ability in the sport yeah, I, w I wouldn't say there was any fundamental change. Um, you know, I noticed when I, so I, I moved from Toronto uh, back to Calgary in 2020. And I think that was really big for me, just being back in the OPT environment, having my coach's eyes on me uh, more frequently, being around more competitive athletes. Um, so I'd say that was, you know, if there was a change, that would be it. But Slow growth uh, is really kind of the name of the game, and and I, um, you know, I think I even wrote in my posts when I made the semifinals was something along the lines of, um, you know, you got to do something good for a long period of time, and that's you know a quote I heard from Michael uh, Fitzgerald a long time ago, and it's it's true. Like you just need to consistency, like just have consistency in your training, your nutrition, and just that belief that it's going to work out. Um, and I'll be honest, like there were times I, I thought about, you know, giving up competing in the sport and not because I, I didn't love it. It's just between me and my wife, we sacrificed a lot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it really does consume my life. And, you know, there's other parts of our lives that we're definitely interested in, you know, experiencing um, when that end of competition comes. Um, so there were times where, you know, it, it, it was on my mind, but I, I truly love the sport. And I think that's one thing that COVID was really good for. It's like when all the competitions were canceled and I mean, I don't, you know, I think Canada was a little bit harsher on kind of their lockdown. Yeah, restrictions. Um, and, yeah. yeah, like it was almost a two year thing here. Like mm -hmm. seriously, like I don't think I competed for almost two years. And, um, you know, even when I moved to Calgary, things were locked down here for another eight months or something like that. So, um, I think during that time, like I still wanted to train. I still every day. There was no competitions on the horizon. Didn't have to eat properly or anything, but I still wanted to work out and still wanted to train hard. And that really proved to myself, like I love this sport. Like I just I love training for it. Um, competing is kind of the cherry on top, but I I just love the the daily grind of it. So, uh, yeah. Nice. So now that it's official and you're you're headed to North America West, mm -hmm. um unshook now and back to training like everything's gravy yeah as soon as i got that invited 
it, it, it uh, bumped my motivation up big time and training's been going super well. Um, you know, Greg and I uh, train once a week at his gym in Calgary and uh, we push each other. We started doing that, I think in January leading up to the open, um, you know, and it, it got us to quarterfinals and it got us to semifinals together. Uh, so we're, we're continuing to do that and push, push each other hard into uh, semis and I'm super excited for, uh, for Pasadena and to finally be taking that, uh, that competition floor. Cause you know, I, I actually did make it to the Can West uh, sanctional mm -hmm. in 2020, which was a huge breakthrough for me. And that was tough because I was training really hard for that. I don't think they announced that it was canceled until April 14th or something like that. So there was a month there when COVID was, you know, everything was shut down on March 12th till uh, mm -hmm. they announced that Can West was canceled. I, I still believe it was going to happen. I was kind of running around Toronto <laughs> trying to find gyms to train at and things like that. So that was devastating because I was really excited to um, to be at that level back then. So, so you've done Wadapalooza as a team. Is this going to be like your biggest individual competition ever? Uh, yeah, I, I would say it is. I was at Can West last year. Um, I, I came seventh there and was competing with you know all the, the big dogs. And, uh, <laughs> I tend to do a lot better in live competition, so I'm really really excited for for Pasadena and yeah, I would say Can West was probably my biggest individual competition. Uh, and it was just really, it was, it was really cool to be competing um, against guys like Chandler and James and uh, Mitchell Stevenson. And, you know, I, I was actually in third after the first day. So I think on Saturday morning, I was in the lane next to Chandler and um, James. And I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really going head to head with these guys right now. And there was one event, event in particular where Chandler and I, uh, it was it, it was a chipper and it ended on a row. And Chandler was like 10 calories ahead of me by the time I got on the rower. And rowing's one of my strong suits. So I was trying to hunt him down. And I think I was like four or five seconds short of, of getting him. So um, that was a fun battle. And we talked about it after. Yeah, he's uh, he's a really nice guy. So. Yeah, it's a shame what happened with Ken West because it really was a great competition with people who, you know, just missed the games or just, yeah, just missed the games or whatever and went there to compete and get some some experience. And then now it's known as like the Fire Fest of CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. It really is. And, and yeah, it's too bad what happened there. But yeah, as you said, the weekend was incredible. Like it was a really good competition. Um, amazing athletes that were there, uh, you know, really good setup and everything was, you know, logistics were, were, were really well done and everything like that. And, uh, yeah, it's too bad what happened from the money perspective, like still waiting for that check. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I doubt it'll ever happen again. Um, at least at that, like to that level. So, uh, yeah, it's too bad that happened because we need more, of those bigger competitions in Canada. Um, you know, we, we're, we're missing that. So, yeah, I wouldn't wait for the check anymore. Yeah. yeah so just a couple know. quick things and then, and we'll let you get out of here. And I have is, to ask an important think, question. There, there's, I think you're being modest about your improvement. You said like ski racers have no upper body strength. I'm looking at your recorded max snatch of 290 pounds. And your recorded clean and jerk of 340. 
those are those are impressive numbers my friend um for someone who lacks upper body strength thank you yeah i would say i don't lack upper body strength anymore but there was a few years that it was pretty rough and you could find me in the corner doing deficit handstand push-ups and strict pull-ups so um yeah it's come a long way but uh yeah thank you and then my last question i'll turn it over to amy is um you're going to you're going to north america west what is the goal what is the expectation and who is coming with you yeah um the goal is top 20. i i firmly believe i can be a top 20 and i know a lot of people are going to criticize that saying how does someone go from 60th to 20th but i do a lot better in live competition um i'm, I'm confident in my abilities there and yeah so the goal and expectation are the same i would say um I'm also just from an expectation standpoint, really trying to enjoy the process, like enjoy training for it uh, because not a lot of athletes get to. And I'm, I really want to enjoy, you know, warming up for events, being on the competition floor, like just enjoy the weekend um, because, you know, you don't know how many chances you're going to get um, to, to be out there. And then who's coming with me? Uh, my wife's coming with me. My parents are coming. My sister and her boyfriend are coming. Uh, I'm traveling down with, I think there's like 30 athletes from OPT, or OPT like coming down, coaches wow. are coming. So we're going to have a good crowd there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah. A big cheering squad too. Yeah. Sounds like. So here's my question. I stalked your um, Instagram a little bit. And so I'm a big, big nature lover. And I want to know, I think you posted at Banff National Park. Is that Okay, tell me, is it really as beautiful as it seems? It is, it is, it is so beautiful. Um, yeah, I, I think it's limestone in the water or something that makes it that green. It's really cold, but it's it's super, super beautiful. I'd highly recommend it. Um, I take it for granted, um, you know, how close we are to the national park. And yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I would say, if I miss anything about skiing, it was the being out in nature and, and um, being in the mountains all the time because it's, yeah, uh, yeah we're, we're super lucky to have uh, such amazing mountains and national parks here in Canada. Yeah, that's awesome. I loved it. Love those pictures. Well, people may think that your expectations are crazy, but just remember Bailey Rail went from backfill to game spot. So there it has go. been done before. There we go. Yeah. I want to thank you so much, Matt Brady, for being on with us. Um, uh, this has been a blast uh, getting to know you and, and your history and your backstory. Um, good luck in Pasadena, and we'll, we'll see you there. Yes, okay. awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And everybody in the chat, thank you for jumping in and saying, hey, we'll see everybody next time on the Clydesdale Media Podcast.